0: Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are your hosts today, TJ and Raj. Hey there, Zach's a uh, healthy scratch today, just like Oscar Lindblom, <laughs> Nolan Patrick, all of my good Flyers. All right, today we got the weekend preview for you guys. So, what we want to do, we want to you know find the best pickups and matchups to exploit going into this weekend to get you get you into the black going into week. I think twelve. We're entering playoffs. I think for the most part, like there are certain teams out there that start off week twelve. But uh, let's do the injuries, man. Forsberg, week to week, you traded me Forsberg. I'm not blaming you. You traded me Forsberg a couple weeks ago. It was a decided win for me. Uh, At least I felt like it was. You know, you got what you wanted too. So you know, everybody's happy. Actually, I picked up Taylor Hall as a replacement, Um, banking now on a uh, on a trade. Uh, If it doesn't work out, or you know, Hall continues to suck, I will just the waiver wire yeah Forsberg is a is a tough one to uh to lose okay no Chris Tanev day-to-day I don't know how much that matters just because the the Vancouver and Calgary game got postponed today if Tanev's out for any extended period of time that's going to reflect poorly on Markstrom Markstrom you remember how pally they were in uh, Vancouver man so I can only imagine how losing Tanev would reflect on Markstrom in a negative way
1: oh absolutely he's huge hugely important on the back end they worked really well together that's why calgary went
0: to get them as a as a tandem basically it's a good handcuff oliver bjorkstrand day to day he's sick no dobson day to day not injury related not sure what uh not sure what's going on there anthony duclair out with a nasty looking injury surgery what did i say injury surgery nasty looking mm-hmm. shoulder injury no timetable yet either alex petrangelo game time decision tonight i don't have an update whether or not he's playing he might be he is playing Tristan Jari day-to-day with a upper body injury left Monday's game with an injury and uh yeah they're labeling him day-to-day Dylan Cousins is going to miss a week with an upper body injury Vincent Trocek returned Brad Marchand returned Larzella returned UC Soros returned Alexander Barkov and Patrick Hornquist are expected to be back by this weekend Barkov sooner so maybe even tomorrow versus the Wings Thursday for anybody listening then uh Bleak Wheeler left tonight's game the, uh, the Wednesday night game did not return. We, ha- we have we have a fuck ton of storylines here, man. F- we're going to start off with Goss' bear getting waived. Uh, nobody claimed him. You know, half of me was surprised, half was not surprised. And then on the flip side, uh, had he been claimed, half of me would have been surprised. The other half would have not been surprised. But <laughs> there's a ton of flexibility now for the Flyers. I don't know how much cap space that they save when he's on the taxi squad, but... Um, you know they get a little bit of extra wiggle room. They just lost to Buffalo tonight. Buffalo. What? Yeah, Th- they did. They did, and it was like five to one. Buffalo has only scored four goals or more twice during this losing streak. Both instances are against the Flyers. Oh God, man! I- I'm seeing I'm seeing rumors for the Flyers that like they they're looking to you know free up cap space so they can make a move. We're in no position. Whatsoever to be buyers at this point. Like, pack it in. Ugh. Do not fuck yourself going into the Seattle expansion draft. You don't deserve Ekholm. You don't deserve anybody at this point. Just fucking figure it out. Going into this game, like, Lindbaum and Patrick were scratched. Apparently, they needed, like, a mental break and a physical break. And if you're going to do it, you might as well do it against Buffalo because we showed, you know, how much of a night off that is. Uh, wow. Faraby, eight minutes time on ice in the last game. His time on ice has been bad recently and his deployment's been bad he was on the fourth line at points tonight um what are you thinking about farabee well i'm kind of curious i thought he was i mean he obviously had a great start
1: yeah long long good start i I didn't know that he dropped off enough to be getting shoved down the lineup like that has he been that bad
0: not that bad it's just av vino has been like a big fan of just fucking with the kids, fucking with everybody. Just he, he not you know, liking that. Scratch TK. Now he's scratching, um you know, they they worded it a politically correct type of way, you know, like they were like, Oh, they just needed a break. Bullshit. Uh they they had so little time on ice in the last game between Lindblom, uh Patrick and Farabee. I am starting to turn on A V, but I think it's it's more it's a player issue as well. But looking yeah. at AV and the lines he's putting out, it's hard not to turn on him. He's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we had a great run with him here in
1: Vancouver. Like he's the most successful coach we've ever had here basically. But then all of a sudden he wasn't anymore. And it just was kind of like that just happened. The team stopped listening to him. But you know what? I, though,
0: I, you know What's that? It's been one year. We did really well last year. Ah, uh, yeah, and man. All of a sudden he yeah. just lost the room. It's,
1: seems like something's going on. I think him and uh, Tortorella have a vacation planned or something, the way both of them are coaching right now. They're banking on getting fired right when the COVID restrictions just allow them to travel. they got a date somewhere
0: in the Bahamas. On the flip side, there is um, at least a silver lining here is TK. He's worth being excited about again. He's got 13 points in his last 15 games pretty quietly, too. Nobody really, you know, talking about this, I guess um, – You know, collectively apprehensive about TK just because of what he showed us in the first half. Got scratched, went five games pointless, but since then he's been on a 71-point pace. Two shots a game, shooting 7%. He's got 20 hits in this 15-game span, eight in his last five. The minutes are garbage, but he is getting power play two-time again, so the power play time on ice is going to bring all that up. I don't know. I'm really starting to turn on, on AV here. I, I just what he's doing to the club. I just I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm happy about uh, to see uh, Konechny getting some production going again. But yeah, like on a team that's playing the way it is, and he's still not on the top power play.
0: <laughs> what the like? What is what is he doing? There's so much I would change with how Av is doing things. Like aces in places. You're you're trying to run a Montreal model of like four even split lines, and you just you don't have the personnel to run that kind of model and it's just it's nonsense nonsense yeah, we're absolute nonsense I I don't see an end in sight for the pain this year you know losing to Buffalo I already feel like the laughing stock of the NHL at this point like losing to Buffalo is worse than being Buffalo at this point like, yeah you you could have been the 20th game that they lost but instead you're the one that broke in in that kind of retrospect, like being the one that loses to the team, the losing streak is more embarrassing than being you're on the, the losing streak. You're sucks. the trivia. The answer to the trivia question. You know, oh God, we really are going to be at like what do they call like beer, <laughs> beer bingos and shit at breweries and stuff.
1: Who did Buffalo finally beat?
0: <laughs> this yeah, is the start well, of our 19 game losing streak. I bet.
1: In all honesty, Buffalo could not lose after what they did last game. That was like that was the absolute bottom of the barrel for Buffalo's la- the last game against Philly.
0: That was a friggin' embarrassment. So I want to talk about uh, David Krejci here, who's on a very quiet burner. Oh. Eight points in his last five games. When I started digging into Krejci, uh, I was on like you know natural stat trick trying to put all this stuff together. Krejci's shooting two point four percent, and he's on a sixty-two point pace. He's got one goal. It was on the power play, and his career shooting percentage is like in the twelves so i I don't know what to make of his season at this point he's got 21 points 20 of them being assists 60 percent of those assists are primary uh I don't know like I'm not trying to like pr- dissuade anybody or or you know like try and find a reason not to like him or anything but it's just it's a really strange good season it's a strange one like he's three quarters of a points per game 62 point pace at this rate I don't know man like wh- what do you make of, of Krejci at this point Love it. <laughs> I, I'm all I'm all right on board. I mean,
1: he's not like a, a new guy doing this, right? Like, he's always been pretty reliable as a streamer-level guy. He's kind of the go-to. The downside to him, of course, is he's a center only, so that's yeah. kind of a bummer. But with, you know, guys like Eichel and Pedersen being out and stuff like that, he's been really useful to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of assists. <laughs> it's a pretty, yeah, eight so, assists uh, in his last five games. <laughs> He's under twenty five percent owned too. So like, if you're in a points yeah. league or if you need help with uh with assists, and I w- I would prefer Jason Robertson, but uh, Krejci's doing the thing too, man. So absolutely,
1: yeah. and uh, like his shooting percentage, guy.
0: he's got he's probably going to start scoring. He's going to get some
1: some goals, and Boston has a great schedule. I mean, if in the next few weeks, I think right to the end of the season, pretty much, Boston's got a really good schedule. So. I'm holding on. I, I managed to grab him out of necessity, and lucky me. Uh, <laughs> I would love to say I predicted this one, but he was kind of a panic grab at center.
0: and Each, well, I guess three. This last year he had 13 goals in 61 games. He was on pace for right around 18 goals. Each of the three seasons before that, he was on pace or had more than 20 goals. This year he's on pace for like three which is really strange considering um, (laughs) his shot volume is right about the same. You know, it's dipped since 2016-17, but dude's 34. That kind of thing's going to happen. But you don't go from being, you know, four out of five years being a 20-goal scorer to being a three-goal scorer for no reason. I think there might be an argument, okay, well, Nick Ritchie has top power play at this point. He's got three power play goals last year, six power play goals the year before that, seven power play goals the year before that. It's like it, it's a considerable chunk, but it's it's and I'm sure it's digging into his totals at this point. Not much. Not I'm, much I'm right. with you. I think there might be a little more here.
1: I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm hanging on. Um, I like it. He's and definitely, I do, like... I do feel like Boston's going to add to that second line,
0: too. Ricky Racks Demco signs. How do you feel about that? Five times five. You're happy? Yeah. Yeah, oh, man, it's, it's not a bad like any goalie signing kind of throws me off, especially when there's term attached to it. But he's a young kid; five years is is not that long of a leash.
1: Yeah, man, you'll be twenty nine when it's done. So, perfect time. He's, he's I think he's played enough to to know he is legitimately a good goalie. I mean, he needs work on his consistency overall. Like he's he goes in ten game chunks of being amazing to not <laughs> amazing at all. Um, big wide swings, but it's the kind of thing. If he's a piece of crap, it's not a good contract, but he is what he should be five years from now. You're going to be like, I can't believe that kid is only making $5 million. So we'll see. Hopefully the
0: consistency issue works itself. I need it. I need it. You also got Spencer Knight signing his ELC, Alex Newhook signing his ELC in Colorado, Matthew Boldy signing an ELC that I guess starts effective immediately. So I'm hoping that we see Boldy sooner than later cam york yamcork signing his for philadelphia this one's a bit (laughs) ominous like i think it's too early for him just to get into the lineup but we need defense he plays defense and they just signed him to an elc so i wonder like do we see him too soon uh but i don't know he's an exciting one so we got a question here in the the live chat jason robertson or toll Vannon rest of season banger cats oh i just responded to that one I like to, I I would like
1: since he said full banger I would go with Tolvanen in that case yeah. cuz he's was, he's the hitman.
0: Yeah. I mean Robertson <clears throat> he's shooting and he's getting assists but um mm-hmm. you know Tolvanen's collecting on the power play. There's only a handful of weeks left so sustainability shouldn't be an issue at this point. My only he word is He is the Tol power Vanden, play. <laughs> he is the power play and that that's great for his sustainability as far as deployment goes but when you like who do we talk about it? I think we talked about Nashville, or maybe it was uh, I forget. But it was like it was a seller, and we were talking about the goalie. I think it might have been Soros. So like, if if you start selling all the pieces around Soros, what happens to Soros? And you could say the same thing for Tolvanen too. So a lot of moving parts at this point. But I I do like Tolvanen. He does get the hits. The shots aren't exactly there, but the power play points are, and he's filling offensive cats. So I'm Tolvanen too. Yeah,
1: I kind of I kind of gave up on Tolvanen and Robertson being like I just I'm, yeah it's unsustainable and it's I don't give a shit like they uh, they are both very good and it's yeah they've it's been, been long enough
0: for like three or four weeks Robertson yeah, exactly. I will say Robertson is probably more sustainable just because there's so much primary there's so much time on ice the shots are really good so it depends it depends really Neil what you're looking for like if hits are a thing that you need Tolvanen sure but if you're comfy mm-hmm. on hits like you got a you know hock and paw or uh like Gudis or something. Like if your hits are comfy, it's it's to me it's Robertson all the way. So it really yes. depends on where you are. at. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Next up is the Connor McDavid elbow. What do you think?
1: I. I. It's fine to me. If you it depends if you if you look at the the Twitter GIFs, it looks horrible from that one angle. But
0: uh, yeah. when you, you look slow at it from anything the, down, it starts to look worse.
1: Yeah. When you see it from the opposite angle of the uh, the one that everybody who's mad is showing he doesn't know how to hit cause he never does. And he messed up and he was trying to, he was trying to hurt him, but like penalty and a fine, I think is absolutely the max it deserved
0: Dude, the worst. The worst part of it too, is for years they've been calling for, for McDavid to be like more tough. And, and they've been, I think Berkey is, is one of the guys that's been like, he's, you know, he's not a leader because he's not tough. He doesn't stand up for anybody. He goes out and does stuff like this. And in, in the, the collective, everybody, Just starts bitching about it like, oh, if that was Wilson, blah, blah, blah would have happened. And then like, you know, if that was Kachuk, blah, blah, blah would have happened. Well, yeah. You know, McDavid's not like – he doesn't do that shit on the regular. And, he, you know, he does it one time because he's frustrated. I'm not saying it was right, but I'm just saying that's why he only got a fine and he didn't get suspended.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it was Wilson, the guy would be dead.
0: (laughs) If it was Wilson, like, that's that's a season right there, you know? So it just like read the room. A little bit like this guy. He's not he's not that type of guy, man. I wish I wish Zach was here because Alex Galchenyuk getting power play two time. He texted our group (laughs) chat and I put it up on the Twitter because Zach was like, dude, I feel grimy. I just picked up Alex Galchenyuk. We we had a conversation about it. You know, Simmons versus Galchenyuk, which would you rather go for? And we pretty much landed on like Galchenyuk's not getting power play time. It's it's Simmons for me because he's on power play one, whether or not he's good on power play one. It doesn't matter, but you know, he is there. So there's a chance of just like accidental points and stuff like that. So, uh, Galchenyuk power play two. I, I mean, I feel like I know your answer, but his uh Oh, turning into like a, Oh yeah. At this point, how do you feel? I, I, I
1: like it actually. <laughs> well, no, that's the wrong term. I hate it, but <laughs> you hate that you like pick- it. I hate that. The right answer is he's worth a pickup. I think,
0: I think he is worth, a stream if you if it's getting close for me it's getting close like i'm i'm in mm, what what do they say <laughs> uh he was like you you had you had my attention or you had my interest now you have my attention or or i forget what what movie that was from but uh that's essentially it is like you don't have my attention yet like right now he's on my watch list he's not on my roster he's not on my yeah. like full radar but I am watching it. He got 15.06 time on ice tonight, three shots on goal, added in two hits and two blocks. So, like, the cats are getting filled, but he's still Alex Galchenyuk. So the level of trust is not there. I'm very jaded at this point with Galchenyuk. I can't can't fully get into it.
1: And, you know, yeah, like, and there's there's I do believe that, like, a guy like that who – how many teams has he played on in the last four years? Like, all of them.
0: All of them. Uh, At one point, he was so, on pace to play for all 31 teams.
1: Yeah, so his his teams per sixty is insane, <laughs> and you know he's getting if close. That's a category. To it. He's a pickup. You know, <laughs> there you go. But you know, a guy like that, end of his rope, really. Like how long? How many chances he's going to get? He gets traded to the Leafs. I do believe there's going to be such thing as a little bit of adrenaline points, which he seems to be getting.
0: Yeah. And, and adrenaline hits and blocks too. I I think that he's, you know, trying to fit uh Django Unchained. That's right. He's got kind of got that like Kyler Yamamoto. I want to, I want to stay on the team kind of shit going on. The hits, the blocks are way up. That's, that's the vibe I'm getting right now. As soon as it starts to get a little more interesting, I'll get there, but there, there's a lot of trust to come back from. He burned me so many times. Like this is, yeah. I'm not there yet. Not there. Is Luke Kunin, worth looking into he's got four points in three games since returning nine shots on goal the time on ice is not great second line no power play but the points are there what do you think okay let me let me rephrase this because (laughs) how deep would a league need to be for you to genuinely consider picking him up i think in 12 teams it's it's too much of a flyer especially when we're talking like yahoo 16 man rosters that for me is too shallow i cannot justify Luke Coonan. But I think as soon as we start to get to like 16 team leagues, then you start looking at Luke Coonan and you're like, all right, dude's producing. I'll take a flyer.
1: Yes, exactly. I think it does pretty much. I pretty much go with that. And I mean, obviously it depends on, you know, what you're replacing and blah, blah, blah. If a guy goes down on the IR for a couple of games, then sure. He's, he could be, he, he could be good, but there's just not enough there. Although man, Nashville is Playing awesome, they 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 underperformed all season long and kind of a uh, horrible as could be, you know. So I I don't see them like being hot all the way to the end of the season. But he could be worth a flyer if if he fits in. But I definitely wouldn't
0: reach to to grab him by any means. Yeah, Jonas Donskoy. I kind of had a a shit eating grin on my face right now because we talked about him. I I think we talked about him last episode. And what yes. it had attracted me was those three, five shot games tonight. He's got a he's got a hat trick, so you know if if we spoke to you in the last episode and you know your league's deep enough that you took a chance on Donskoy, you know third line deployment's not great, but he is top power play now. That's great. That's awesome. He's he's up to fourteen points in his last ten games now, right around fifteen minutes average time on ice, eighteen shots on goal plus whatever he has tonight in his last five. Those three five-shot games really put him on my radar at this point, and his time on ice has gone up into the 16s and 17s. So, Raj, you already picked him up. So the question I have here is, are you interested? And I know the answer because you did give him a shot.
1: I did give him a shot. I took uh, our show's advice. Uh, I can't remember which one of you guys brought him up, but... I said kind of reluctantly said yeah I, yeah uh, sure and then I reluctantly picked him up and now I'm fully bragging like I did it all on my own um where there's smoke but, there's fire man sometimes Yeah no I, but we know who this this guy is he does this
0: Every, yeah yeah he'll, <laughs> he'll burn out just as quickly too that's that's yeah. the worst part Yeah
1: exactly like he, he he tends to swoop in for a quarter of a season each
0: season <laughs> Vancouver and Calgary. That's cancelled tonight. Postponed. But uh apparently Adam Gaudet was pulled mid practice for a positive COVID test. Um, you know, I think Jay Harr was in the Discord, he said the coach might have gotten it in Vancouver and maybe another player, so they had to put this one down. Yep, yeah, two players and a coach. I don't know who the other player was. I think it was
1: Vertanen actually. Um, yeah, he
0: was out the uh episode or the the game before, right? Uh, you know. uh,
1: yeah, I don't know exactly what's up, but honestly, it kind of works in the Canucks' favor because it's just another game that they'll have Pedersen for. It was kind of a bummer, too, because Calgary and Van are exactly tied in wins, losses, ties, games played, everything right now. So that it was been, like a uh, big face-off game, yeah, big important game. Save me a heart attack.
0: The last storyline we got here before we get into the mailbag questions is that the updated playoff spreadsheet is out obviously there's the uh you know the vancouver game that'll get rescheduled down the road that'll get updated as it goes it is up on the discord so if you're looking for it hop in the discord it's in the resources channel there i I had i started to have some weird thoughts because as i updated that spreadsheet montreal jumped out to um you know a pretty good score i think they ranked like second or third as far as uh you know total games played and off nights and it's because three people three individuals reached out to me via DM in the Discord, and like, I'm going to go for Petrie. What should I offer? It started to dawn on me, like, they're playing a lot of games in not-so-much days. Going into the next two weeks, no one plays two games. So there's no team that has two games played. No, none of those, like, shit weeks for matchups and stuff. And through the rest of the season, there's only six instances of two-game weeks for any team the rest of the way. Something that we rarely hear... In like fantasy circles on on you know I, I try to listen to as many of the podcasts as I can I haven't really heard it brought up but is a ton of games played is that a bad thing because it's a good thing for fantasy but when you start thinking about the actual humans playing this game okay so Boston's got 13 games over the next 21 days that's eight days worth of rest over three weeks they've got 20 games in 35 days that's 15 days of rest over five weeks they're not even getting full weekends off here and they have two makeup games following the season at that same point. So they have a lot of games. They got some old dudes on there. They got like Bergeron, Krejci. And when talking about Montreal, who, who Montreal and Minnesota have four games the rest of the year for, until the season's over. Montreal has two makeup games after week 16 closes. So they got 20 games again in those same like 35 days. There's barely any rest for these guys. And when you start to think about this workload, just catching up with the actual players, like for us, it's just names and pictures on uh, on an app and stuff like that. But we don't think like some of these guys are probably going to go down. At some point, some of these players are going to get rested. You know, you think about the Petries, the Webbers, you're playing so many games in so few time that when you're, you're out here making moves for these types of players, th- there's an off chance that they could get fatigued. You know what I mean? Like the teams that we're loading up on, they have insane workloads. Montreal straight up does not have two back-to-back days off. They don't the rest of the season. Minnesota the same deal, Boston same deal. They do not have two consecutive days off anymore. Like is this something that we need to talk about more in fantasy circles like this fatigue? I know the players feel it, but we're loading up on these players, we're counting on them and they should be like by now they're like they're running at 75%, 50%. This has been called the sprint season. Because it's, it's been condensed and stuff like that. And now they're getting to a point where it, you have to double time. You have to sprint even further. 20 games in 35 days for Boston. Yeah, Boston might have my favorite playoff schedule. But at what point does this catch up to these players? It's, it's just an added risk, an added wrinkle. And I'm not trying to deter anybody from going after Boston players. It's just something that like we need to account for when going into trades where you're trying to get Boston players or Montreal players or Minnesota players. Be careful of who you're getting. Like if, if you go for a Petrie, who's, you know, on the quote unquote wrong side of 30 and Weber and things like that. I'm I'm just curious your thoughts on this whole thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a little bit there to consider. I think it's a little bit, I think there's a couple more layers after that, you know, which I'm obviously, you know, right? Like the, older guys are probably going to need a little bit of rest. I mean, you could look at it in all kinds of ways. You think older dudes are probably going to get a little bit of rest. But then again, I think the biggest thing to look at is something Zach's always harping on about, guys who are in the race. I mean, yeah, if you're pushing, if a team's on the fringe of getting into the playoffs, they can't rest people even if they want to. They got to get in. So, those are good teams to focus on if you're worried about that. Um, And another thing to consider as well is if it's a good player and they do end up sitting, you know, say if they have a a four-game week and they get sat for one game, well, now they got a three-game week just like everybody else. So it's not, you know. There's there's a few other things to consider, but there definitely is stuff to consider. Um, You know, and another thing too, like guys who are on garbage teams – if you're, if you're sort of a comfortable player on a garbage team and you already have your contract then you have absolutely no reason to play, that's something to watch out for.
0: Yeah, where's the motivation at that point?
1: There's the, you know, maybe a fringe player on a garbage team. Not I don't know if you'd want to pick that guy up in the first place, but there are players who might be playing for a contract still, even if their team is not needing to make it anywhere. Maybe it's... You know, five extra goals to a young guy trying to sign a contract, its a million-dollar difference to them. <laughs> so that, those, those kind of factors I think are worth looking at uh, as opposed to just taking it as like a a yes or no kind of question. But Yeah. There's, there's definitely the, stuff there to look at.
0: You know, everybody wants quantity of games played and, and quality mm-hmm. starts to factor into it too with like off nights and things like that and matchups like Boston. All those Buffalo games are, are super sexy, but like, you know, you, you go – all in on trying to get Bergeron, and then Bergeron gets hurt because he's playing all these types of games. You kind of you're screwed at that point. So it's it's just it's a dangerous game. I think he's a, he's the perfect say. example
1: of someone who is probably not going to play all those games. I mean, Pasternak's young; he'll play as much as he wants, and he's worth getting if any you
0: ever have a chance. Um, one There's guy- another wrinkle right there. Is like the young guys should be more apt to to play all these games. So you know mm-hmm. when when starting to load up on trades or on the waiver wire and, and things like that. Like to me I kinda lean these younger guys just because they're built for it. Whereas the older guys might need a couple of extra minutes, like getting ready and maybe need that extra game. Where I don't see a, a you know, a Kneelander or a Burikoski or a rantnin or a poster knock. I mean, Mark Stone maybe, but Patri is kind of kind of putting up there. I'm just trying to think of these guys that are, you know, on these teams with sweet playoff schedules and things like that, but I like the idea of like bolstering the bottom half of my roster if I can via waiver wire like Burkowski's out there, Donskoy, not that his streak is gonna continue in any way possible, but like you know picking up on these guys um being really smart about your waiver wire ads and things like that you know if if you wind up getting these negligible kind of tier two guys on these sweet playoff teams, and all you're doing is giving up a tier two guy in return. You know, the, the floor is pretty safe and the ceiling is good. But if you're if you're making these like, you know, top tier trades for guys and one of them goes down, that's a huge gap that's missing from your from your roster at that point. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of trades have already happened. I'm sure trade deadlines are passed. It's just it's it's another thing to think about here. The bottom half of your roster is safer to make big moves with than these top half of your guys, because if, if you're selling a barkov for a Bergeron. Just because the game's played and then Bergeron winds up getting hurt just based on the amount of games that they're playing. Like the reason that you went and got Bergeron is the same reason that he's out now. That that's gonna sting. Especially when you could have I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's something I've been thinking about.
1: Yeah, just don't don't overvalue it without looking at all these other factors
0: yeah. first. Like age is a big one in the team. I don't like the idea of like trading away top tier guys. Just because of, of playoff schedules and things like that. Like they're still gonna give you quality. The quantity might be, not be there by like one or two games each week, but they're still gonna give you quality games. But I mean, if you can swing a barka for a posture knock, I'm not gonna tell you not to. So <laughs> there's that. It's just something I'm thinking about. I, I'd love to hear thoughts on this one. So if you if you guys want, feel free to tweet at me at FHF hockey or bring it up in the Discord. Cause I guarantee you, this is just something I've started thinking about like over the last few hours. So there's gotta be certain points that I'm, that I'm missing. So if you know something, I don't, I'd love to talk to you. Let's get into the mailbag, man. We got uh, we got one question here that came up in the live chat here on the YouTube feed and stuff. And then we got one from our good buddy, Chris, let's start off with Jeff's here. What are some metrics, Raj? I don't know how like deep you get into, you know, analytics and stuff. But um, what are some metrics that you put in? You put more stock into, and which ones do you tend to kind of dismiss or not look at as seriously?
1: Well, for for me personally, I'll, I'll start because I know you'll have a lot more to say. The ones that matter to me is uh, isn't a particular one, and I think that's just the biggest thing: is like you need to look at a bunch of things. There isn't a magic stat that tells you how a player is going to do. Like something like people love to to jump on things like like IPP and stuff like that and that's a really telling number sometimes but there's also guys who just have freakish IPPs and that's just the way it is because of the circumstance so to me I think that's that's the biggest one the biggest thing overall is if you're going to look at one stat you know similar like I was saying about the last question just look at the next couple of things kind of related to that like if you're just a lone soldier on a garbage line like McDavid used to be, your IPP is going to be a hundred
0: percent because you're the only thing that. That's a big reason why Fiala's was was so high last year, and Ehlers too. Like he was doing so much himself. Ehlers had like a ninety-three percent IPP for the entire <laughs> year, and we could have went all twenty-three weeks being like, "It's going to drop. It's going to drop. It's going to drop," and it just doesn't. I'm sure you got more to say. So before I, you know, take over and hijack this conversation on. <laughs> advanced stats or whatever. Go for it.
1: Well, another one, I was just going to bring up another one that's a favorite, and I know you love. um, His shots on goal is a a big one, and for good reason. It tells you a lot. That versus, or, you know, it matters a lot about the shooting percentage as well. Sometimes people freak out about a, a high or a low shooting percentage, but it does go hand in hand. If a guy is shooting a lot they probably are that kind of shooter and are just naturally going to have a lower shooting percentage. Right. And that's when to me, like something like shots on goal, if someone's shots on goal dip and their percentage is the same, that tells you a lot. If somebody's shots on goal dip, but their percentage is higher, you know what I mean? Like you just really have to look at at more than one thing again. So I think shots on goal mixed with like a shooting percentage can tell you a lot more than just one one thing or the other. Obviously, there's guys like Drysdale who don't get a million shots cuz he only shoots when he's going to score, you know what I mean? He's always got that 20 23% yeah. shooting percentage. Um he's a he's a league leader in goals, are you going to say that like he's, he's going to even out? Like <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. That's that that is almost a perfect segue in, into what I want to what I want to get into there's layers. Like we were talking about before there's layers to this. And the most important thing is grains of salt. So you're using layers like an onion and grains of salt, call it a French onion soup. Mm. There's a case by case basis with each player. So like you were saying, like Fiala in the, in the, you know, the latter 56 games of his season last year, where, where he had 53 points, his IPP was out of control. But you can't just look at the numbers and be like, all right, that's not going to work. No, because he was he was like essentially the only one on his line really doing too much. And and yeah, you had Parise there and you had Eric Stahl or Miko Koivu helping out and everything. But Fiala drove play to a certain degree and was pretty much just running away with it. And then there's Ehlers and things like that. So on a case-by-case basis, you think about the player because not everybody's exactly the same. You can't just throw league average IPP and apply it to every single player. The same thing goes with shooting percentage. So if you use it versus their own career averages versus a league average, that's important. But I think those are the two main things that you need to think about. And then there's sample size. I hear it time and time again, like, okay, this guy has a hundred percent IPP over the last four games. Yeah. He's probably having a really good four games. IPP starts to make more sense. The bigger the sample size becomes. So when when talking about sustainability, there's there's things that you need to look at a little deeper than just, you know, three games. So I, I do think sample size is one of the more important things when it comes to trying to evaluate players and things like that. I'm with you, Raj, like shots on goal per 60 and low time on ice is usually a good sign for, you know, if they get increased deployment. I'm I'm thinking about Owen Tippett right now, like uh, Florida's kind of a mess with their with their injury woes and things like that. And Owen Tippett is just plastering shots on goal. If he does get a promotion, I could hopefully th- think that we're going to see those shots start to translate. And then you also go into like, okay, is he going to play on a line with like Huberto who takes enough shots on his own? Wenberg who takes no shots, but is a great setup, man, who's he playing with? Is he going to be playing with Wenberg? Cause I think that'd be a really good marriage. Even Barkov that, that so anywhere in the top six for somebody like Owen Tippett, who is plastering shots on goal, but is playing like 11 minutes a night. Uh, if he gets more minutes, that is going to be really great. But I usually use those evaluators when it comes to like next season's projections and things like that. But always keep it in the back of my mind if somebody like that gets more time on ice. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I just wanted to yeah. throw that chime in on that for a sec. because that that's another thing to pay attention to is what like it's great to know the stats and to know that they matter, but what do they matter for? And like uh, points per sixty or shots per sixty, like any any rate stats per sixty. Uh, If the guy has low time on ice but good per sixty stats, that can, like you said, that can tell you keep an eye on them because if they get some power or some time on ice, naturally it would be, you know logically tell you they're gonna get more points yeah. um but it doesn't automatically mean go pick that person up you know what i'm saying like if they're only playing 10 minutes but their per 60 stats are great like that's fine but they're still only playing 10 minutes <laughs> so yeah. pick them up if you see their time on ice creeping up but i think like just pay attention to that like what which stats tell you more about predictive versus like you know analytical from the past kind of stats
0: which ones I tend to dismiss. Like Corsi, I don't, I don't really think that has any place in, in fantasy, really. Like, you can tell who's driving play and what teams are kind of, like, better at possession. It was great when I was um, digging into Brenna Gallagher. Like, why did his hits all of a sudden drive up? And I found that because he is controlling so much play, like, his, you know, expected shots for or shot share of his line versus his opposition was, like, 60%. Like, you don't hit when you have the puck so you can, you can start to like dig into those kind of things. So that to me made sense that, you know, Gallagher just stopped hitting because he's not chasing the puck anymore. He's not playing a ton of defense. So he's, he's the one taking the shots. He's the one on offense. And and how, how often do you see a guy with the puck hit somebody? It just, you know, it doesn't <laughs> happen. So every, everything kind of has its place and can help. It's not gospel. And that's the thing is, is, you know, the numbers should do something. It doesn't mean they will. The numbers should do this, should do that. Uh, it doesn't mean it will. Mika Zibanejad is starting to self correct and and we're still waiting on Patrick Liney. We're still waiting on Taylor Hall. Jack Eichel's not even playing, so I don't know. It it really is just down to the player. I like to typically go by their career averages versus, you know, league averages and things like that. But, you know, we could we could get into it. I'd love to do like an advanced stats episode in the off season, but you know, for right now that's that's what we use. Shooting percentage is a great indicator too. But uh, you know, things like that can happen. We saw TJ Oshi shoot twenty three percent for an entire year. We saw William Carlson do it the next year, Braden Point do it the next year. Uh five V five stats are really good too, because you look at Tol Vannon and you're like, Oh my god, nineteen percent shooting percentage, but then you look at his five V five stats and you're like, Okay, he's shooting eight percent at five V five. So it's just crazy awesome shooting percentage on the power play when you have more room. There's less defense, so there there really is. There's so much layers. I don't want to get too derailed here. Um, we have another question from Chris. He's got his uh, his trade deadline approaching, and and he's wondering if we can use our crystal balls. Is there anybody that may be a buy low going forward into next year that may make a bigger splash than they did this year in a peripherals league? So trade deadline coming up, he wants to make a move now versus in the off season. Who do you like? Like who who's kind of under? underperforming at this rate that you typically lean on in a peripheral league.
1: You're, you know, different, uh, I know, like, there's certain players in our listener leagues, for example, that we value a lot, you know, which might have a low percentage of ownership on Yahoo. So it does depend on your particular circle and what people, you know, sort of your in-league value. But I think, like, a couple players listed here, like a guy like Roman Yossi, absolutely, if anybody thinks he's lost it, I would I would try to get a guy like Yossi, I'm really, really feeling like Nashville is a lot better than they played for the first half of this year. Some obvious ones, like Line A, for sure. Uh, I, I'd, Using my crystal balls, I would say Torts is gone. I have a strong feeling as soon as the offseason hits or as soon as Nashville's out of the playoffs, Torts is gone, and they bring in somebody more offensive and make a big deal out of it it'll be great for their uh for their PR for their team too to like openly say like here comes the offense we have Linea we've got all these young guys i think that's that's um but Line, a, i think he's going to be a lot better when Torts is gone i think um going to be great next year because of those young guys like i said like Tolvan and that Carter Hart that <laughs> you have on the list here i mean i'd like to think this was just a big blip big long blip Hopefully they figure their shit out, man. I think so. I think so. I think he's gotta get it back. I, I really feel like Torts is getting fired and they're gonna go like bring in someone, go actual offense. I think it's yeah. too good
0: for their business, you know. They they need it. For uh, for Line, A, one of two things is gonna happen. He's either gonna get moved or Torts is gonna get moved. Like mm-hmm. you you can't have both of them. Is what I'm trying to get at is is you know you you are starting to collect offensive players and shoehorn them into a defensive system and you're finding out firsthand that it's not working. So, well, and I think just like
1: perspective-wise, right? Like Keckaline and if they he doesn't want to keep the image of bringing in high-powered players and then they don't want to play there anymore,
0: like that's that just doesn't work. So, I, I think it's Torres. Now, I wonder <laughs> about a guy like like Brendan Gallagher. Maybe, um, you know, maybe this this year isn't the year for him. And, And there's again, there's another wrinkle because, you know, how many how many players are benefiting from playing intra divisional. You know what I mean? Like how many players are underrepresented or overrepresented because they're just playing six or seven or eight teams over and over and over again? You see guys like the Atlantic. I want to call it the Atlantic. I forget if it's the East or the central at this point, but the one with like Tampa and stuff like they're, they're playing Dallas who, who's kind of fallen off a cliff at a point they're playing Detroit over and over again, Columbus who can't figure out what kind of team they want to be, you know, at puck drop or whatever Nashville, who just until recently was leaky. And Mm. like, I wonder if going into next year, it's going to be so hard to navigate projections and things like that, because just how different this year was. I think there's a bigger disparity. Like I think he's obviously Buffalo's
1: pretty. pretty yeah, low. exactly. But exactly. like there's some the bad teams don't get to play other bad teams. You're just the bad team in the division. You don't get to go play a you know like Ottawa doesn't get to go play Buffalo and beat the crap out of them or anything. It's just yeah. Like, you got like
0: Anaheim that doesn't get to beat up on Detroit or Ottawa or or this yeah. that and the other. All they have is like San Jose games to look forward to really. And that's gonna be such an interesting wrinkle is is how many by lows are there gonna be because of of these divisions? Like who's a victim of the divisional play and who's a benefactor? It's gonna be a big, big wrinkle going into next year, you know, with your rankings lists, with your projections and things like that, that um it's gonna warrant deep dives everywhere. I like uh I like a few guys here for this question. I wonder if Provrov is gonna be a better player next year. He's never been like An offensive powerhouse, and I do think they address the power play. Like going even going into this year, they they weren't sold on a you know top power play. They brought in uh, Gustafson just just for shits and giggles, I guess. But you know, and they had Ghost running the top power play and things like that. Um, So I wonder if he gets resigned to a more defensive role. And with with guys that you know aren't spending a ton of time on the power play, you usually tend to find that their peripherals go up because. You aren't doing a bunch of hitting and blocking on your own power play. So we like Provorov because he he is kind of a 100-100 hits and blocks kind of guy. And I wonder if that that happens. I think the same can be said for like Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Um, maybe Rasmus Dahlin. He could be a brutal buy low going into next year because his peripherals, you know, have the potential to be really good. Mike Hoffman, if he finds himself in a situation where he's not third line, second power play, I think... You know, we could see the same Mike Hoffman we saw in Florida, Jacob Truba. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, his, his peripherals could, could go crazy up, like depending on how deep Truba is kind of an unheralded hero when it comes to hits and blocks, you know, and again, if he, if he doesn't get power play two time, that's just more time on ice for him at even strength that he's going to be hitting people that he's going to be blocking shots. So the things that we love truba for, he's going to be doing more of the one that I I love him,
1: man. I really like him. He gets like, 25 minutes a night too so uh, i really like him whether he's got power play or not it's not really what you'd be getting him for
0: well you take the power play out of it and that those minutes that he spent on the power play is kind of filtered down to even strength and things like that and penalty kill so more blocks more hits yeah you don't block much on the power play <laughs> i want to talk about rupe hints because this year he's got a lingering issue that has just made him brutally frustrating to own i think going into next year um people are going to be frustrated. Nobody's going to want him. So depending on how deep this uh, keeper is, or if it's a dynasty, I think Rupa Hintz could be somebody that I would hope would be a hundred percent going into next year. So it's kind of like one of those, you know, better luck next year type of things. And I think that could work. Same for the, the demon in, um, in Columbus, Zach Ransky, Seth Jones, these guys could really benefit from a system change or maybe just a reset. Uh, PLD. I feel like he's had a really tough time adjusting to Winnipeg, and just needs a couple extra games reacclimating. My ceiling for him has dropped, but that doesn't mean that he can't prove me wrong. Uh okay, wow. So, that is a ton of time spent on storylines, but uh I like that stuff, man. It's like real, you know, real hockey talk. So, let's get into the the weekend preview here. There are there's one team that has 3 games, 2 off nights, and that's Washington, our least favorite team to talk about when it comes to streaming options just because there aren't many. There's not a ton that are gonna move the needle crazy one way or another, as far as streamers. But I, I still love you know Hathaway for hits. If you're if you're falling behind in hits, dude, Hathaway is gonna play three games. He averages four hits a game. That's 12 hits that you could add to your totals by picking up Hathaway here. I think he's like four percent owned. So teams that play three games and one off night. So you're going for volume here is Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, and Tampa. The ones that I like the most are Tampa, who play Columbus and Detroit Saturday-Sunday. Florida has Detroit Thursday, and then Columbus Saturday-Sunday, Carolina, Chicago, and Dallas. So I'm I'm curious, who do you like as far as, like, best pickups going into this week, this weekend, rather?
1: There's a couple of good schedules. I just did have to say one thing before I forget about Washington. I managed to get Tom Wilson off the wire, which I've— bragged about many times now but since he's been back he's a point per game and under one hit per game yeah i I don't know why the hell is going on (laughs) i'm happy about the points but that's very strange that's not why Um, we picked him It's not why we want him no no man not at all um yeah there's a few a few guys uh, like i really like the um the schedules you mentioned obviously tampa um (laughs) but Tampa's a tough one because of all the ownership. Sorelli's at 50% owned, and he's been playing really well, um, getting a lot of hits again, reasonable amount of points. He's not always my favorite.
0: He's just a center. Uh, I believe he's still just, just center. I wonder uh, if they gave him wing because he was doing a little bit of time on the wing there. Yeah, he's got he's got right wing now too. Oh, there you go.
1: That makes him a lot more attractive, actually, because that's always a problem. He's such a fringe streamer, and then he's when he was only a center, that, that hurts a bit, but. Um, For a a super deep guy on Tampa that you're probably going to hate me for mentioning, but uh, Matthew Joseph. I mean, sell it. Sell it. I'll hate you if you're wrong. (laughs) I don't know if I'm right or not. He's at 1% owned, and I just wanted to bring up somebody who's uh, gettable on Tampa. But he's got uh, four points in the last couple weeks, um, as much as anybody else does on the team. So um, he's a guy that's gettable. And then, of course, – Kalorn's having a good uh, a good run, and he's at about forty forty six percent owned in Yahoo right now. So, yeah, I mean Tampa's usually hard to find players from, but those are those are a few guys who you can pro- probably or possibly get. And man, those are the kind of guys who might get a little extra playing time as they they try to rest some of the more main guys against like Detroit and that just hammer yeah. on Detroit.
0: I'm with you, man. So Kalorn. We're in just go check territory. Sorelli, same deal. They're gonna play Detroit twice, and I can't imagine that their penalty kill is very good. Killorn's on the top power play there. Uh, Killorn over the last two weeks has one power play point, nothing special, but he's got three goals to assist for five points all day. Over well, close to two shots a game. So I mean, he's trying. Sorelli, uh, same deal. His his shots have actually, I don't want to say impressed me because that'd be wrong, but there's less disappointment this year than <laughs> yeah, there exactly. was last year <laughs> like the shots aren't great yet but they're better so baby steps man uh i like just for for two more just go checks because i i did have a lot of trouble with this one the the teams that that i'm a big fan of going into this weekend have a lot of ownership surrounding them like carolina or you know florida even verhage is up to like 68% at this point now and um you know there there's there's not much left at this point so there's lots of just go check guys. No one that I really think is gonna move the needle too much under twenty-five percent. I I do think Robertson is somebody that could move the needle for you. So he is kind of like he's available and he's one of my more attractive options here. The first just go check is just Martin Nietzsche. He's at sixty eight percent and sixty nine in ESPN. So, you know, one out of every three leagues, he is available. And I think like we've done enough talking about him to the point where you should know by now, like this kid is a seventy-point guy this year, and he's oh, doing man, it on back of sustainable numbers. Now I went and checked, and I have two Nietzsche's. That's Nietzsche all you got to do. Two Marty <laughs> Nietzsche <I> now. <laughs> uh, Jordan Stahl is the other guy. He's got power play one. I think this the power play one for him is going to be short lived, and I think yeah. Trocheck's just kind of getting acclimated, whereas Martin Nietzsche has power play one. But I think he's holding the turbo spot, the teravionage spot, where I think Stahl is holding it warm for for, uh, Trocek. Uh, Trocek, 75% owned. So one in four leagues, you could check. Uh, Stahl does a fuck ton of hitting and is is right around 50%, 55%. He's got 17 hits in his last six games. His faceoff numbers are unreal if you're in one of those kind of leagues. He's got two assists in his last six, but he's been known to streak up, streak down, things like that. Maybe it's a streak down. Maybe this weekend he starts streaking up. But what you do know is that you're gonna get a ton of face offs if you're in that kind of league. You're gonna get hits, you're gonna get shots. Um he won't leave you with a zero stat line, which is which is important. Just finding those sturdy peripheral floors. Jason Robertson, this this one is um you know, I don't necessarily love Dallas's um schedule going into the weekend. Like they got they got Nashville and they got Carolina twice. Like Carolina twice is that's a that's a tall ask. You know what I mean, but Robertson, he's on a run, and he's on a run that I believe in. Uh, We talked about it, him versus Tolvanen earlier in the show. Here, like I kind of think Robertson is more sustainable, but I think depending on what you're after, you know, both could have an argument for being better. Robertson, 24% in Yahoo, 20% in ESPN. He is he's pretty available. He's top 15 in primary assists per 60, top 30 in all assists per 60, top 40 in points per 60. And his per game numbers are going to go up as his time on ice get, goes up. But like right now, his time on ice is kind of at a cap. He's been playing 20 minutes a night. Uh, only two out of his last six games are under 20 minutes a night. So I don't see how much more time on ice he's going to get. I think the stats are going to continue to like be there. Like he's he's doing all this. We were talking earlier in the show, too. Like when you when your rate stats are good and your time on ice goes up. Good things happen. His time on ice is up. We are in the midst of exactly what we were talking about. He's got nine points in his last 10 games, three goals, six assists, three power play points. Now he's logging power play one time. There's no reason not to hop on this Jason Robertson train right now. And boys, he's, he's kind of the real deal in his last eight games. He's got 30 shots. That's over three. Like that's like close to three and a half a game. This is awesome. Jason Robertson is like the poster boy of, of getting in on the ground floor when it comes to the waiver wire you got to do it, and you can have a short leash, too. If things dry up, you're not going to feel bad about it because you're dropping or you're you're picking them up off the wire. So, like, I
1: don't know. Like we mentioned last show, like, it's not even like you're getting in. It's taking everyone forever. It's just 30 games in, and the guy's been scoring the whole time, and now the whole fantasy world has been super slow on this guy. Like, um, I'm happy. It's it's catching up, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 22 points in 28 games, like, 62 shots, over two shots game on the season, and even more recently. So when you look at his like season totals, he's 1543. But like I was saying, it's like 1945 over the last 10 games, average time yeah. on ice. So his, good things his are happening. His production goes
1: hand-in-hand hand with time on ice. It's hand-in-hand. Hand.
0: I talked about Owen Tippett earlier. Uh, the shots are crazy given the amount of time on ice that he's getting. So this is one of those guys. And, and you think about all the opportunity that there is to be had, you know, sad to say for Florida, but you know, if Duclair is out for an extended period of time, that's a wing spot that's open in the top six. You know, if, if Toronto isn't the one to get it, you could have Verhage, Tippett, Huberto all up in the top six on the wings. You know, our buddy Nate over at Apples and Genos took a shot on this guy. He, you know, he stuck his neck out there and was like, I'm talking about Owen Tippett. I'm talking about him seriously. I'm he's a pickup. He's got four points in his last five, man. So love to give Nate a shout-out here. There is limited time on ice, but if that goes up just due to injuries and stuff like that, you're going to see those rate stats go with the time on ice, hopefully. Again, not gospel. So uh, he is getting power play de- to deployment at the moment, and everything is kind of up in the air in Florida. There's so much that uh, is a question mark given how many players are hurt. And I think Noel Shari is, is the same. You know, he's gotten some points lately. I don't think that's sturdy. What is sturdy is the peripheral floor. Seventeen hits, nineteen blocks in his last few games. Shit, tons of faceoff wins too. So again, if you're in a faceoff league, he's he's a guy to go for. Like I said, I I don't know if I believe in in the points that are there, but the peripherals will continue to be there. Yeah, dude, sixty-one hits, forty-three blocks on the year. He I think he's third in the league for blocks amongst forwards, which is which is kind of crazy. Um, only Austin Watson and Boone Jenner have more and yeah, I got, I mean, I got Boone Jenner on my list here just for Columbus because they're available. Boone Jenner and Nick Foligno, they're, they're the same player, but yeah. yeah, last eight games, he's got 17 hits, 19 blocks. Ashari, he's 12%. Owen Tibbetts 2%. So these guys are available. I don't know. Is, what, what other guys do you like before I get into Foligno and Jenner for the hundredth time this year?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean you you knocked out a, a few of mine. I mean my my guy's the another guy that I had in goalie territory. Um Okay. Uh another guy he's fifty percent owned is Ned uh Nadelkovich. Okay. Um, he's got a couple of games left in him. He's been just honestly pretty unbelievable. Carolina's pretty unbelievable and uh they got a couple of games coming up, so uh, I managed to grab him as a as a freddy replacement for the time being he's a good one to look at and the other one that you already uh mentioned there who i was really high on over over this past couple of weeks actually and i'm, I'm hanging on to is achari his peripherals for a forward are just out of this world and uh the other guy another guy actually we already talked about as well was kraichi um he's another one that i've been picking up and um Really like You know who I did get in, in my traditional unfair get him off the wire way was I just picked up McAvoy um, for this playoff How? run. I needed some peripherals, and I'm like, who can I get? And I looked, and he was on the wire. So I'm
0: happy about that, that one. So it's Boone Jenner and Nick folino time. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm lumping these two together because they really are <laughs> kind of the same person. Um, when you look at their stats, like, they are kind of a spitting image. Like Jenner's got two points in his last seven. Foligno with three points in his last seven. They both have over two hits a game. They both have around a block a game. Jenner gets a ton of faceoff wins where Felino does not. They're both right around a shot a game. Uh, they're playing on the same line. They're playing on the same power play unit, the top unit. They're both in the 20-ish percent owned area, which is essentially the same. I'm pretty sure Jenner is center left wing and Felino is dual wing eligible. So there's a little bit of a uh, flexibility there with their designations. Yeah. Jenner center left wing. I think they're, they're solid. They're reliable for the crunch, but you know, every once in a while they start to chip in points and Columbus, they, you know, they got Florida, Florida's pretty beat up depending on, you know, what happens with everybody that's coming back, Hornquist and and Barkov, you know Ekblad being out is going to be a big factor, and then they see Tampa Bay. You never know what kind of t- like Tampa Columbus game you're going to get. Sometimes Columbus blows them out. Sometimes Tampa just does Tampa things. So yeah, I don't know. That's it. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about back to backs, and then we'll get to the streamer of the weekend to close this out. Columbus has uh, Florida two times this weekend, and it's I think it's like Lickens. and are they running? Who is even their backup right now? Is it Kiv Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any faith in in Lennox against Florida? Uh, I'm not. I, I have no faith in in Columbus against Florida's offense. There's no way. <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, Ottinger versus Carolina. So, let's say let's just say Mrazik's not back because he's been rumored to have been back for like six weeks now. Um, Nedeljkovic versus Ottinger. Who do you like? Depending on if they're available. I like Ned and his weird goatee. McElhaney is like, he's really bad, but he plays Detroit. Uh, I think this one's a win, but the rate stats might be fucked. That is what I've come to expect on a good day out of McElhaney. I'm in for McElhaney. i do it. That's it for the Saturday-Sunday ones, I think. Oh, no, Vancouver's got one. You know, granted, they they come back. So Holtby versus one of the Oilers or Winnipeg. That doesn't sound great to me. nothing That's about the worst possible. <laughs> 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 no. Um, so the Oilers have one Friday and Saturday. Let's talk about the Friday-Saturday ones here. So... You got the Sharks versus L.A. So I think we're going to see, like, I think it's safe to say we can call Quick the backup here. So it's Quick versus, you know, one of Dubnik or Jones. Who would you go for?
1: Uh, man, right now, I th- I think I like San Jose better than L.A. right now. Um, Shit, you know
0: I, what? Calvin Peterson, 25% owned. So you oh, could get you any of these goalies, any of these goalies. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm riding Cal Peterson into this two sets of uh, San Jose Sharks games. As far as a goalie
1: goes, he's the best of
0: those four. I do like Absolutely. San Jose a little bit better
1: right now, but Campbell, is a he's a winner.
0: Colorado and um, St. Louis have a back-to-back, so depending on who, like this one is pretty, this one's actually pretty interesting. Something you got to <laughs> think about is because Jonas Johansson, um, <laughs> I still remember that uh, John Vogel was like, this is the worst goalie I've ever seen. And, you know, he lost his first game. Um, Would you take him over a St. Louis team who hasn't shown me much lately? Colorado's probably going to dominate both games, I would say. I think so, too. So I might take Johansson for the win, but I I still think the rate stats are going to get fucked there. Uh, The last back-to-back that's on Friday and Saturday is uh, the Oilers. So I I imagine Koskinen is going to get the uh, Vancouver game. I mean, even the Calgary game doesn't really matter. Like, either of those you could go for. Uh, do you risk in versus either of those? Um, I'm more, and not being biased, but I'm more scared of
1: Vancouver's offense, you know, like in terms of who the goalie's he's facing. Um, Calgary's been a lot more defensively successful. Well, that's not even true. They just suck, really. Um, I, I'd be more apt to take whoever's playing
0: calgary the only other back-to-back here is uh washington and both their goalies are pretty owned so no big deal (laughs) that's that man who is your streamer of the weekend if you had to pick one player we talked about tonight who would it be it's kind of a cheap answer but i'm into robertson big time i was gonna say the same thing so you know just reinforces the idea that robertson should really be owned here and
1: the fact that we're saying the most most best option is on Dallas,
0: you know how much we like the guy because he's yeah, on Dallas. <laughs> swallow up plenty of amount of pride on that one. So that's it for the extensive weekend preview, man. Had a lot of storylines here. Had a lot of uh, you know mailbags to get to. So thank you guys for submitting mailbag questions. Thank you guys in the YouTube for for hanging on and hanging out until next time you guys can find us on twitter at fhf hockey you're more than welcome to hop in the discord and hang out and get in touch with us and a bunch of other fantasy hockey fans so it's always good fun you can find the uh playoff sheet in there too and until sunday right we got the the week preview there we think that's it so yeah until sunday we love you love you